Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Just Two Dads with my co-host and my partner, Mr. Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian. Uh, today, we've got another great episode, uh, a, a subject matter that uh, seems so obvious now as we think about it, but um, really excited for you to, uh, to hear today's guest. How do we travel with children um, who have some special needs and special considerations, special accommodations that are required? Fascinating subject matter and even more fascinating because the, the, our guest who's delivering the message is dynamic and you're going to love today's episode. Simple. See that? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Two Dads. I am Brian Altunian here with my friend, my partner, my colleague, uh, family, Mr. Sean Francis. Uh, we do this every week. We started this conversation many years ago as Just Two Dads of Children with Special Needs Issues and decided to start our podcast and talk to folks who are servicing that community because we were amazed by how many amazing folks take their situation and they turn it outwards and serve, serve the community today is no exception. And before we get to our guests, I just want to thank you. If you're catching us live on Facebook, please leave comments. We share our comments with our guests. Um, happy to put them on the screen uh, if, they, if, they're, if they're appropriate for the conversation. Uh, if you're not catching us live on Facebook, but after the fact, on you can see us on YouTube, on our Just Two Dads YouTube channel. Please subscribe, uh, comment there, share the content with, um, with your friends, let them know, especially if, if there are subject matters you'd like us to cover, please let us know in the comments or you can reach out to us at wearejusttwodads at gmail.com. If you're catching us on any of the podcast outlets, welcome. Uh, we always find that there's no gaps. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast and there'll be like gaps and I have to like look at my, like did my thing turn off because I hear Sean and I are not short um, for words. Uh, so you won't hear any, any big gaps in our conversation. Um, so thanks for listening and catching us on, um, on the podcast and WSTX AM radio down in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Hello, family down there. And uh, maybe you're catching us on on our Roku channel under Empowered Media Communications. Welcome, everybody. Another episode of Just Two Dads. I'm feeling excited about today's subject matter. So before we bring her on, I um, just wanted to uh, say hello to my friend, Sean. And by the way, we have, we have two Seans. We have Sean that you see on camera. We have another Sean, Sean Hall, who's in the Hawaiian Islands, who is our producer and uh, keeps us on track. Uh, Diane, you may actually see some notes from Sean going, uh, clock countdown guys, like get going. Um, so thank you, Sean Hall for keeping us online on track and with that. Mr. Sean Francis, how are you feeling today? I am feeling a little crazy and at the same time, blessed and grateful. Um, <laughs> I say crazy just cause life is busy right now. Um, it is generally speaking, um, you know, but I, I am excited for our guest today because, um, she is going to tackle a topic that we have i'd like to say that we faced it as a family but we have not we have um sort of either avoid avoided it or had it minimized and um that involves travel and special needs and our guest today is none other than diane rambo welcome diane thank you for having me on here i'm totally grateful to be here today thank you thank you so much um you. before we get into um your business and the services that you offer and the skills and tips and everything that you can provide. Uh, I want to, you know, talk a little bit about you and, you know, you probably see yourself as just 
just the everyday person, you saw a problem, you found a solution, you decided to share it with others and then turn that into a business for yourself. But that's nothing short of a hero because when our children are diagnosed with any kind of developmental or cognitive delay or something, you know, depending on how severe it is, we have a choice between how much of a fight we give to the life that we have versus how resigned we are to the one that's been thrust upon us. And lots of times that means that the things that everybody takes for granted, going out to dinner or social events and things like that, you pull back on some of those. And sometimes when you're minimizing your life, you don't realize how much of it you are minimizing, how much of it you're settling for. So this speaks to life thriving and personal development outside of just special needs. But you know, doing what you do, you're a hero and we want to hear about uh, your story. All heroes have powers and powers come from their origin. So let's uh, dive right into how you came to be, how you were raised. And those are the things that obviously affect how you deal with the diagnosis and the things that um, that come along with that. So let's start with that. Well, growing up, um, I was actually born in a military family and my entire family has practically been in the military some shape or form. And mm -hmm. we traveled a lot. I was actually born overseas, so I am biracial. And there are a lot of ethnic differences that I had to face when I came to the States on my dad's side of the family. And mm -hmm. I, I was really confused in the fourth grade. So you would think that's pretty, pretty old to be going through those types of changes rapidly fast. And my okay. mom never really raised us to understand the differences between ethnicities um, and race. She never made that a big deal at all. She just taught us to love one another. And mm -hmm. so um, I dealt with kind of the struggles of where did I belong? And that kind of goes into how I kind of got to this point is because when I actually had my daughter, um, I had her at a young age. I was a teenage mom and mm -hmm. literally was walking across stage pregnant. And my daughter ended up being born prematurely. She was born anywhere between 22 to 25 weeks. Wow. Um, mm. I've had experience babysitting before, but having your own is totally a different beast. Oh, yeah. um, and so I kind of didn't have my mom after fourth grade. And I had my dad's side of the family that were raising us. And I kind of was learning some of their dynamic, but mostly from the peers that I was around is where I was learning how to be a lady or how to act or how to perform in school. And um, I was a little torn because people made fun of me because of how mm -hmm. I was so smart, but I was also different because I didn't look like everybody else. And so, um, uh -huh, go ahead. Well, so I was just going to say, so we're, what's your mom's country of origin? Just so we understand some of these differences. Then. So my mom is Korean and my okay. dad is African-American. And mm -hmm. so um, culturally, they teach you different things based on their culture. And I didn't realize how much culturally played an effect on how you think or how you behave in that right. manner. And so when I had my daughter at a young age, um, I kind of was one of those go-getters. I had to figure out how I'm going to provide for this little mouth. You know, I can't go to college because I had to withdraw from college um, mm -hmm. because I was only a, a month in college. Um, right. So that total dream had to change. But then right. I, I was afraid of some of the things that she was going through coming up and she wasn't diagnosed back then because they really didn't talk about autism in that matter that many years ago. However, mm -hmm. as I reflect back on how she kind of raised uh, or was raised, 
and how she experienced different challenges, she wasn't very social at all. Mm -hmm. um, she was super highly intelligent, quietly, of course. And um, she wasn't very vocal about things that she was going through um, mm. growing up, especially in high school. And so now that I've had my son almost 17, almost 18 technically years old, um, later, so now he's six years old, um, going through that whole diagnosis process, it was a challenge for me because I went through the stages of grief of every parent when they their child right. has been diagnosed with something. I went through the denial phase heavily because I was like, oh no, you know, there's nothing wrong. They're just trying to find something wrong with him. They want to put him on medication. I'm not for that. And um, literally that was harming him in his development really because of my denial or lack of knowledge, lack of information. Let me, let me ask you a question. So you grew up in what state when you were here in the States, what state did you grow up? In? Um, I ended up moving from Alabama to St. Louis. So I was in okay. St. Louis for um, hmm, practically fourth grade all the way up until my good part of my adulthood. So up until four years ago, I moved to Vegas. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And then you, you, you said that your, so your daughter was born She's now 20, how old is she? She's 24 and she'll be 24? 25 this year. Yeah. She wasn't diagnosed. So she's neurotypical. She wasn't diagnosed with any. She wasn't diagnosed, but I have my suspicions just based uh -huh. on what I know now. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But now, now, now we're talking about your son who's now six and he definitely did have a di diagnosis. Yes. Yes. He was officially diagnosed at the age of three. Now. And how did that come about? Like, how did, why did you, how did that that yeah. was actually interesting because in St. Louis, their healthcare system and the education system is very, very different from Las Vegas. And mm -hmm. so at one, his doctor, his pediatrician suspected he was on the spectrum based on, mm. I forgot what the name of the test is, but it starts with an M, I believe. And based okay. on the questions that I provided and his dad provided, she was like, we highly suggest that you get him tested because he seems like he will end up being on the spectrum. So me being what you would call ignorant because I, I wasn't educated on what I heard of autism, but I really didn't understand fully what it meant. I didn't look into it. I didn't dig into it. I didn't research it. I was just like, no, they're just trying to find something to say was wrong with my son. I felt he was fine, but that wasn't the actual reality. Um, and right. then Did you notice we, anything? Did like Was there anything that like got you to ask the doctor or was that just something that they just... That's just something noticed. they did. That's um, I think um, during that time period, they started performing tests early. Um, gotcha. And knowing the research now, they say boys are highly diagnosed earlier on than girls, just because girls mm -hmm. seem to mask it, um, mm -hmm. which I'll get into that later because then it kind of questions myself. Um, but moving here, we moved here right when my son was turning one. And so okay. he no longer had access to that pediatrician. And then we had to literally start the entire process all over here in Las Vegas. We had different mm. health insurance. We had, we had to pick doctors. So I didn't know I needed to find specific doctors that knew kind of more in depth about any cognitive behaviors. That, that goes for all doctors. That goes for vision. That goes for dentists. That goes for all of that. So I literally right. started research. I found him a pediatrician that seemed like she was a good fit. And actually, she actually is a good fit currently. But mm -hmm. she did not recommend getting him tested at that point. It wasn't until going th through 
registration for preschool here, which is close to the age of three, um, right. is when they officially diagnose. So every test that they kind of ask questions, if you will, um, mm -hmm. they were saying, oh, he had behavior issues there. You know, let's do ABA. Let's do occupational therapy. Let's do a little bit of physical because they thought maybe his motor fine motor skills was um, a little off. And then I was like, his fine motor skills are actually perfect. It's just right. he doesn't really do some of the things that normal neurotypical eye contact know. and things like that. Yes. And okay. um, he wasn't really talking or saying much of anything, but you can the, tell he understood. Eight, I think Okay, and I think the test is the the ADOS test, I believe. I think that's what they did here, and yeah, um, okay, very different. They just asked a whole series of questions, and we had to go through and answer. It wasn't until around preschool age where we actually went, and he was doing and demonstrating certain things, and that's mm. when they were like, "Okay, no, here's the official diagnosis. He is on the spectrum." And I said, "Okay, now we have an official diagnosis," but I still at that moment, it was in denial. Um, and I really didn't look into the therapy as a way of helping him because I'm like, oh, I'm his mom. I should know. I should know how to be able to provide his needs. I should be able to right. direct him or curb some of the actions or inactions that he was doing. Um, it wasn't until maybe almost two years later. So by this time, the age of five. Five. Is when wow. okay. I really kind of looked at myself and reanalyzed everything. I said, you know what? I need to embrace the fact that this is a diagnosis that is officially made. It's not going anywhere. It's not changing and it's not curable. And so mm -hmm. I really started digging into, okay, what really is autism? What is the definition? Right. What are the symptoms? And then when I started looking at the symptoms and some of the actions or inactions, I finally became into the acceptance phase where right. I was like, okay, let me accept that this is in fact what he is actually exhibiting. And yeah. once let I me, accept it, that's when I started doing more gotcha. on my end. Let me, uh, I'm going to ask you a question that I know the answer to, but I'm asking the question for the purpose of hopefully allowing yourself to give you some grace. So you have, you become a young mom, you have your daughter, there's suspicions of, delays and things of that sort, but no formal diagnosis. And then you have your uh, your son years later. Now, now, at this point, obviously, from a relationship standpoint, you've gone through being in a relationship to now being a single mom for a portion of the time when his diagnosis and everything comes about too, correct? Correct. So with okay. my, my daughter, uh, we were together for quite some time and then we split. And then mm -hmm. I met my son's father many, many years ago. And then we've actually, that's the reason why I came to Vegas was because of him. And we were together for many, many, many years. And during the whole diagnosis phase is kind of where it really, really became a riff. Um, gotcha. And it was more so because, um, again, it's a little bit of ethnic differences on how he really viewed the diagnosis. He viewed it more so that it's, the parent's job to get him to be able to perform X, Y, Z. And then I had the view on, no, I can only do so much. But again, I wasn't as educated as I am now, mm -hmm. as far as what I could do on my end to reinforce what resources were available. Good. Um, and, and so that kind of rift is what drove everything kind of like to the place there where it is now, where I am a single mom 
and mm -hmm. um, having to navigate between job or no job or being an right. entrepreneur. Well, that's the first thing that I want you to do is like, I, as I was saying, which I hope will allow you to give yourself some grace, which is that I have the benefit of in an imperfect world, being part of a great team with my wife, but we are human beings. So that is not a picture of perfection. And, you know, I can be a challenge. We all can be a challenge. We work together and work through things. So I can't imagine what it's like to take that on by, you know, not having that support and the benefit of a relationship and partner. So allow yourself to have some grace as you start thinking, you know, okay, I didn't quite catch all of this. But then the other thing is you had the consciousness to say, here's the response that I have as to how that's dealt with. I can provide everything. And then you realize, wait a minute, I need some help. And if you both don't feel that way, what are you to do? So don't be any more, any more difficult on yourself than necessary. Thank you for sharing that because that's actually at a point I'm at now. Um, I know that it really and truly that saying it's going to take a village to raise a family or raise a child. It, it, it truly does. It's the truth for sure. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter who is in your village as long as they're supportive enough. So they can be family. They can be out outside resources. It can be anybody as long as you have that village. And that's right. something that now I'm seeing I'm going to have to create because I have no family here in Vegas. I'm literally here on my own with my son and uh, my daughter. She's grown, but she stayed back in St. Louis and she's living mm -hmm. her life. Um, and so now is the point in time because now business is it, it's really going in the direction I was hoping for all these years. I just didn't know how to navigate through because, again, I'm still going through my struggle at that time of acceptance and then what resources were out there. So it wasn't until last year when I really officially made a decision to um, really get certified in autism travel. Um, I've been a travel agent since I moved to Vegas, so four years, but I mm -hmm. didn't officially get my certification in autism travel until last year. And knowing uh, everything that I know now, it was mind boggling that even travel partners were kind of discouraging it because they said it was a, diff a difficult field to even penetrate, if you will. And right knowing kind of my ethnic background, I love challenges. And I said, no, everyone has the ability to be able to tap in and really get the information that they need, because I really don't hear it talked about much. Like I said, I've heard about it, but again, mm -hmm. if, uh, until I actually went through it is not when I actually went and did some research. Even if you know right. somebody that has um, a child that's been diagnosed, you still don't even go the extra mile to really understand fully what that family or what they are dealing with or, or relate to how they're actually going through. Um, and now I'm seeing, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I actually tapped into being in this field because mm -hmm. I learned I'm the only one in the state of Nevada in the entire state of Nevada that is a certified mm -hmm. autism travel professional. And I'm wow. sitting here like, why? Why am I the only one? I uh, wanna, ho hopefully we can change some of that with today's show in, in other areas as well. But what I wanted to find out from you is too, what kind of, so what kind of work were you doing up to that point? You're dealing with the diagnosis and being a single mom and all that kind of stuff. What kind of work were you doing before travel and leading to this segue? 
So I dibble dabbled in a little entrepreneur kind of through my ex, if you will. Um, he mm -hmm. was the mind behind of doing a lot of different things from dog breeding to tattooing to photography to website design, graphic design. Mm -hmm. um, but you. in that whole mist, I was with AT&T as a, um, oh, I don't even remember the title anymore, but basically I was like a, a tech assistant for internal technicians, if you will. So I did mm -hmm. tech support. Uh, for the UVerse world. So I was with the company for almost 17 years before I walked away and moved wow. to Vegas. Wow. And so um, during that whole thing, I never really had a leadership role, if you will. However, I, I was delegated leadership duties. I always <laughs> was mentoring and I always was teaching even the mm -hmm. more difficult, older employees on how to be more efficient, how to be uh more positive and things like that. So it was, and I was always writing SOPs. I, I was writing them, but I never was put in that position. And I think everything le led to this moment because of all the preparation that I was doing before. And I kept asking, why am I not getting the promotions? Why am I not getting these desired titles, if you will, to be able right. to showcase my leadership? And it was all because it was leading me to this moment. There was a higher purpose for why for sure. I was being for molded, sure. if you will. Yep. Corporate America is, you know, great at giving you a, more to do without giving you a title or the, or the salary that comes with it. So, uh, you know, right. Welcome to the world of corporate America. Let's get as much <laughs> out of you as we possibly can. Oh, yeah. It was. Mm -hmm. And so it's very different here in Vegas because the pay is a lot lower and the rent or mortgage is a lot higher. So I went mm. from owning a home back to renting an apartment. I ended up becoming an auditor, which is kind of crazy because during college, I just knew I was going to be a lawyer. But then mm. I changed after my junior, no, after my sophomore year, I changed my major to accounting. I just knew I was going to do accounting because I took accounting all throughout high school. I just was like, I don't really want to do it. But then I started looking at the career path of it. I was like, Maybe I need to. And then I ended up going into psychology because <laughs> I just mm. got tired of going to school. Um, <laughs> and I didn't really use the psychology degree, but it applies to what I'm doing now. So I think Naturally. everything came full circle for a reason. Like I said, there's a purpose on why I had to go through mm -hmm. what I went through to get to this moment. And um, I, I ended up getting an auditing position with Caesars, the big Caesars. Um, so mm -hmm. nine properties. Um, and then COVID hit. Mm, so uh, everything in Las Vegas just was like a tomorrow, everything shut down kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Literally I shut down. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? You know, I have a son to raise. I have bills to pay. I have no resources if you quit. So lo and behold, I still was doing travel, but travel came to a halt. So right. I had no income coming in at all whatsoever. And then school that was a real challenge because they ended up going to what they call distance learning. So they still was doing school, Virtual, but it went yeah. online. And right, right. that was not a real ideal situation for my son because for one, he doesn't pay attention that long to a classroom setting on a computer. Much, right. You know, he At doesn't home, even, it's even shorter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not yeah. even only that, he's just like, I already know this stuff. So why am I sitting here? Kind of attitude. So I had to mm -hmm. literally be physically present in order for him to really pay attention, do the work, even though he mm -hmm. knew how to do the work. 
It was like, yeah. no, you have to do it with the class because it's a class participation. Yeah, we went through that too because you could hear the teacher calling your kid's name, telling him to come sit down. You got to go up and check. And that was something weird that we went through, all of us. So it you, was. You got, it, you got into travel. Um, so I'm assuming you were doing travel while you were still working um, for Caesars. At Caesars. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I was doing that part time. So I didn't really do it full time or fully engulfed myself into the full entrepreneur world until after COVID. Right. So right. tell us then, because it's funny, I, I, you know, anybody that watches the show, you know, knows that, you know, we strive to be, you know, uh, empathetic and try and step in other people's shoes and ask questions about people's situation and let, make less judgments. But as human beings, we're so conditioned to check out our perspective. When you're in a group photo, the first person you look for in the picture is you. And as conscious or as high as I, you know, consider my consciousness to be or try and make it, I still got hit upside the head when I found out what you were doing. I was like, uh, yeah, there's a need for special needs families and travel. What? So if I didn't, if I overlooked that, tell us how you arrived at that because it's still, I'm just dying to hear that. So interesting in love, I used to travel a lot, um, but mostly because I was driving. Um, so when I had my daughter, we would go practically everywhere, anywhere. So she experienced travel as a kid um, growing up into travel, but she has never flown. So when I had my son, he actually was on the airplane before she was <laughs> at the age of one. And right. um, I still remember vividly that I had him in this little pumpkin seat. And again, I'm kind of traveling with him on my own. So yep. I had the pumpkin mm -hmm. seat. I had the bag. I had the suitcase. And so people were actually really, really helpful. They were like, oh, let me get this for you and things like that. And I had him in a pumpkin seat, put him in the seat next to me. And he had to be by the window. And it was turbulence. Coming to Vegas mm -hmm. from St. Louis is really, really rough if it's windy. And so he held on to the plane and he kind of looked at me like I could stop this. And so I just remember that moment that he was just looking at me like, it's going to be fine. You know, I, I can do this. I've been flying my whole time. And I'm like, really? Um, but <laughs> <laughs> he actually have, because when I was pregnant with him, I actually was on planes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, going through that time, he didn't really exhibit difficulties until he was a little bit older and walking. Um, mm. So that's when I started learning that certain sounds on the plane were kind of setting his sensory. It was like all overload. And that's then right. even the airports, um, it would be too loud or too many loud. people. Mm -hmm. And so he would just literally sometimes have meltdowns, which yep. is a very difference between a meltdown and a tantrum. I didn't really realize that until I, again, I researched because yep. a, a lot of my father's side, if you will, would say he was throwing a tantrum and I was know. like, yeah. I'm like, no, that's not what it is. So I, I got heavily kind of crucified about how I was parenting. It was like, oh, you just need to discipline him more. And I'm like, I don't think that's what it is. And you know mm -hmm. how as a parent, you feel it in your gut. That's not what it is. And you can and, say it. That, that's how parents are. But especially <laughs> as black folk, we're like, I know what that boy needs. Exactly. You know? That's that's what we you know cult, it, that you were talking about culture earlier. We could have fifty different topics on this show, but that yeah. has an impact on everything. And you know, me too. I had to you know eventually learn. My wife, just especially being Mexican American, she came from a background that's kind of the same thing in terms of discipline. But she knew like right away the difference between 
a meltdown and a tantrum. I can't say that I knew that right away. And every now and then I still have to, I peek and ask myself questions. And Elijah's turned 16 a week ago. He has not been on an airplane yet. That's something we'd love to be able to do. I had a dilemma that I faced when my grandmother passed away. I was like, do I go to see her when she's on her deathbed and miss the funeral? Do I make sure that I go to the funeral? Do I take him with me? Because he had never met her. And every now and then I still question that choice. I ended up going by myself. You know, my wife didn't go with me. We didn't go as a family. And every now and then when I think about it, I'm like, you know what? I should have taken him with me and saw her before she passed, even if it meant that I didn't go to the funeral and I could say goodbye at that point in time. But, you know, you, you can't do anything about that. But that's why I think what you're doing is so important. So for those that are listening that are not part of the community that don't know, in the spirit of empathy and getting people to step in other people's shoes, share with, you know, our, our listeners, you know, some of the things that you and I know about that our children have to endure that we have to take into consideration when traveling. And then some of the solutions that uh, that exist by way of what you do and then talk about the certification. Yes. Yeah, so for me, what I had to learn is we had to take a lot of breaks in what is considered sensory timeouts. That is how right. we were able to travel successfully without all the meltdowns or um, even my son kind of does both. He does a tantrum slash meltdown all at once. So that's even right. more difficult to deal with. Uh, mm -hmm. We actually had to learn what to pack. So when he was younger, we had to make sure we packed his blanket. It was a Lion King blanket that was given to me by coworkers um, mm -hmm. for my first ever baby shower. We and, had a blanket too. <laughs> oh, if I yeah. I actually had to go to the store. He made me, and, and I wouldn't say he made me, but that's kind of as a parent, I had to because he was not going yeah. to go to sleep if yeah. I did not have that blanket. So I had to go to the store and find another Lion King blanket. It wasn't the same color, but he was okay with it because it was still Lion King. Uh, at and least so it worked. In our, in our case, that stuff didn't work. And at one point in the school, somebody, it was an aide or somebody that thought that the only way he's going to get away from the blanket is if we separate it from him, separate him from it. And it, we suspect that it actually got cut on purpose. It was ripped. And we were like, so yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So no, and actually that's kind of what we did. So I, I think he was like maybe four or five when I finally got him to get rid of the, the blankets because now he was wanting both the blankets <laughs> everywhere mm. we went. So I had right. to make sure we packed it. And he would even in the house, he would carry it around with him everywhere he went. Like he still does that mm -hmm. to this day. Like I had to clean the, the couch off because he brings all his markers, all his toys that he literally <laughs> does play with. And he mm -hmm. sits it on a couch and he's like, look, this is my area. And I'm like, I like to sit down too. But that's <laughs> just what they do. They like to bring the things that they yeah. love and relate to most and set it with them. So if you know that they have a favorite toy or a favorite item, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's imperative that you take it with you, no matter if you have to clean it afterwards. That's right. Take right. it because yeah. it will keep them calm. Also, mm -hmm. keep the trips very short. My son yes. would not do more than four hours in a car. Oh, no. Even as a baby, he did not like to be wet. He did not mm -hmm. like to be pooped on. So immediately after he was done, that's the only time he would cry. You would know. He yeah, never yeah. cried any other time besides those two times. And well, driving here to Vegas, we had to make it like a week trip because we would bring wow. all our things. So we made it like a week trip because we had to break it up. Yeah. He was not going to do more than four hours. And even one time we left uh, one of the gas stations filling up. 
changing his diaper. And literally, I, we couldn't even pull away 10 minutes. Now, after you get so far within the States, it tends to start getting further and further apart on when the next rest stop is. The or next, the next rest stop. Station. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I had to hear him cry the entire, oh I think my it was gosh. like 20 or 30 miles oh because he had wet himself and he did not like it on him. And I was like, it's too dark to pull up. Cause we thought we would be okay driving at night. You thought you were sleep. good. Yeah. And yeah. so that was one of the things we knew we could not make it a long trip. We try to make it when he sleep most of the time, although mm -hmm. he started catching on that. No, I'm going to be up regardless. Cause I want to see. Um, and so, and then, um, not only packing their favorite things and making the trip short, but kind of taking subtle trips and making it kind of like a schedule. So if you have anything like the zoo or the park, I would practice make that trips. a practice trip. Yes. Right. That's really key and crucial because now you can, you can see what they can and cannot deal with. You can see and right. manage, okay, mm -hmm. when do I need to implement these sensory timeouts? How can right. I implement these sensory timeouts? Because sometimes you can do what we did. We kind of found the area off on our own, like in the zoo, and mm -hmm. it was nobody coming around us, and we right. could be fine for 10, 15 minutes. You may right. actually learn that, no, I actually need a quiet room, which there are places for that, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. You can take them to a quiet room and have them 10 or 15 minutes, however long it takes for them to feel back secure and safe and right. kind of mellowed. For you can to continue the trip, and right. make sure you just make time for the trip. Um, so, and what I mean is, literally, you might think that it might take an hour at this place. Be flexible. Be flexible. Because yes, because you because your best laid plans will change, and that's the one thing that autism in particular will teach you. If you're a person that is like you know a type personality, which is this, we have a schedule. We're going to do this by this time. You got to be flexible. So. This is what the part of the show where I get to be. I feel like I'm, you know, my selfish part of the conversation because I understand and we can reiterate when it comes to road trips, whether it's within your city or between states going to visit family or an amusement park or whatever the, the case might be, you obviously, you pack the creature comforts, you allow for sensory breaks, you make sure that the trip is short as possible. If it ends up being a long trip, you're breaking it up into you're shortening it up, shortening it up into those small bites by having those breaks. Now, when it comes to longer trips, when you're talking about an airplane, because like I said, our son is 16. We haven't even done that. And part of me feels like, you know, we won't know until we just do it. And when, you know, um, we talked with Holly Robinson Pete before, you know, I think it was uh, American Airlines has had a program in place where you would at least get on the uh, on the plane and the plane would taxi on the runway for practice. But now yeah. I think they actually have stepped that up a bit where it actually becomes airborne and things of that sort. So tell us about some of the things that one would do to prepare to actually take a longer trip that involves a plane wait, or even a train. Wait, wait go, ahead, go back. I just so I've never heard of this. So you can take your children on a mm -hmm. practice plane ride where mm -hmm. you can board a plane and they will yep. taxi down well, the taxi. Runway. Yes. Never, yeah. American Airlines. American Airlines. American has had that in place for a while. I don't know if other airlines do. And essentially, it was just taxiing on the runway. But yeah. now, from what I understand, they will actually, you know, get into the air. I don't know if they just simply circle or whatever the case might be. But Holly and her son RJ actually, um, I think it was the inaugural when the program first 
ended up launching here in Los Angeles at LAX. They did that. So, so that I know of, but I'm sure if I thought about it, I could come up with some stuff. And I know my wife would, because she's just 10 times more smart and amazing than me, but tell us some of the things that we would, one would put in place or the questions that you might ask, because you're connecting people with airlines and hotels and things like that. So let's stick with air travel first. Okay. You know, who, who one might speak to or the questions that they would ask and what they should be looking for, what type of accommodations should be made in order to do air travel? There's a kind of a twofold way you can do it. So TSA has now come aboard and they launched Wings for Autism, where mm. they do exactly what American Airlines is practically doing. You can set up Excellent. a schedule with them. And it's in the U.S. so far, because I did at, um, have somebody in Europe ask, and I said, so far, I've only seen it in the U.S., um, and so you can register with them and do a practice run with your entire family with them mm. and ask all the questions and have everything laid out for you during that practice run. So Wings for Autism is a great place to start. Um, another way you can do it, too, is if you can sure. um, heard of any of this, I'm just blown away by this. Already. Yes. Uh, many partners have come Amazing. a long way. Um, Amazing. Another thing you can do is um, what I've learned um, is if you can find any kind of sound recording of a plane. Now, all planes sound mm -hmm. different, but just having it loud enough to where you can see if it's going to affect them in any way, shape or form. You'll know, OK, do not sit by the engines or mm -hmm. um, even with a loud toilet flushing because um, it is right. loud because the space on a plane is real confined. Um, right. So at first I had to get my son used to even going in there because it's so small. And then mm -hmm. the next thing I had to do was, uh, you know, enlighten the flight attendants when we go in there or when he goes in there. Hey, my son has autism. He doesn't like the toilet noise. He's going to cover his ears and scream real loud. Please do not interfere. If you right. do it in a positive manner and educate them prior to, they are mm -hmm. more than willing to accept what you tell them. And, and do mm -hmm. exactly what you in, instruct them to do. And, and that's not interfere because it will last longer than it should. And you know what's interesting? I'm having a problem. The only reason I didn't put it in the chat for Wings for Autism, when I did a quick search for that, I saw listings by airline. So I saw Wings for Autism JetBlue. I saw, so that means that if you're doing a search for it, there's a variety of, uh, of places to look. That, yeah. I just think that's fantastic. And Brian, again, so obviously I knew about it. I didn't know that there was that much of it available. Yes. Huh. And that's TSA altogether. So TSA has, and you know, that's the Transporta Transportation Security Administration. They're the one that, that heads that, um, that no program. No yes. Idea. So that's um, a, a key thing, but definitely expose them to loud sound. And again, expose them to close quarter crowds, if you will, to see how they right. would act. So even if you just act. go on an airport tour, if you just go in there and just literally see, okay, we got people running around here. We got the escalator, we got the elevators, just have them exposed to that to kind of prepare them on, okay, this mm -hmm. is what to expect. These are the sounds, these are noises, these are the crowds. It can be real crowded or it can be less right. crowded. Um, mm. and, and that will actually prepare them for, okay, my, my child might act like this. My child might not act like this. Okay, what do I need to put in place to kind of intervene, if you will, or make it a more positive experience for them? Right, right. Interesting. That's fantastic. Um, when we're talking about, um, oh, good. Uh, say, Sean, I'll put it in to put the link in the chat 
So for those of you that are catching us after the fact, if you go to the chat, the TSA, <clears throat> the, the link to TSA and airports partnering with autism organizations. So that's that's airplane. I'm sure that there's other things to do for airplane travel. Is there a difference? Do, do you do you recommend train travel in, in some cases where as an alternative to airline traffic, not going, they're not going international, if you're staying domestic. Is that a, is that a potential? Um, so believe it or not, my son and I, we have not went to what they call a certified autism center, which means that a hotel or attraction or a restaurant is mm -hmm. actually trained. So 80% of their staff are trained when you become a certified autism resource or center and they make accommodations to where either they provide quiet rooms, they dim the lights a little bit, or they have set hours you can come. They do a wide variety of accommodating at those facilities. So trains are not really federally regulated. However, mm. I'm pretty sure you can have a conversation with them prior to even booking a trip with them to see if they can offer any type of accommodation. Also, mm. the ibccs.org, that's the International Board of Continuing Education and Credentialing um, Services or Strategies. I always forget what the last S stands for, <laughs> but <laughs> that's where I actually got my certification for. But they provide certifications for nurses, therapists, any anybody in the field that wants to in, in medical or therapy in that nature. Um, they actually provide the certification training for those facilities and they actually provide you with what is called an accessibility card. And what it is, mm. is you can apply for this free card and apply for it every year. And it outlines practically, okay, this is what, what my son or my daughter can or cannot deal with. Um, this may or may not be some uh, medicines they may be taking or whatnot. And it, you where do you find this? I'm sorry. It's called the IBCCES.org is their actual okay. website. Um, and then you, you'll click on accessibility card. I think it's the next uh, menu item. And mm -hmm. literally, um, you can get the free card and you take it to guest services, not where you purchase tickets or anything like that or do reservations. You want to go to guest services with that accessibility card and say, hey, my child has X, Y, Z. This is their card. Do you accept this? Can you provide the accommodation? They can either say yes or no. It's not a guarantee. But most of the certified autism centers do accept that card. Mm. And there's a logo that they actually post up on their website saying that they're certified autism centers. Um, so, again, there's restaurants, there's hotels and there's uh, attractions. So Six Flags, for instance, mm -hmm. has right. come aboard and became a certified autism center, not only in the U.S., but also outside the U.S. So like Mexico or uh, mm -hmm. uh Where's the other Six Flags? I think it's uh, Turks and Caicos. It's one of those, but I don't even have... know Six Flags had parks outside of the country. And and, yes. and it's fun. It's interesting because I remember um, uh, the park that's affiliated with Sesame Street. Um, I think it's Sesame Sesame Place, Sesame Place in uh, Pennsylvania. They were the yes. first ones that I heard of that became certified. I have not heard of anybody else doing that. And I think what what that means is, you know. Again, I think that all of us, and when I say all of us, I'm not talking about all of us with, you know, that raise someone with a disability. I'm talking about the human part of the human experience is to have a battle for our attention, right? There's a fight yes. between the life that we have and the one that we want. And very often the one that we that we have 
gets most of our attention. And the one that we want is getting beat up. So as a result, we kind of settle with where we are. So unless somebody decides to kind of stand up and step outside the box, you're not going to necessarily look, research, or ask these questions, especially depending on the level of challenges that you're facing as a result of a diagnosis or disability. You're like, here's where we are in life. We're not going to try. But for those that decide, well, let's, let's kind of, let, let's see, you know, ask some more questions because I'm finding out just in this conversation that there are more resources available had no than, idea. than we realize. And yep. so you, do, no you don't know until you don't know mm-hmm. until you ask. And the one thing I would add and offer, and I'm sure you would concur with this because we realize this when it comes to certain foods that our son eats, or certain experiences when we go places, that fight between the life you have and the one that you want. The life that you have is all you know. The one that you have consists of people accepting your son or your child or your child being in a situation that's not as challenging. And you don't know what's going to take place unless you try. And so very often we'll be like, I can't believe he ate that. I can't believe that he didn't have a sensory issue. And that's, wait a minute, I was more worried than he was. And so The same thing applies when it comes to these resources that are at our disposal. Reach out, look at some of these um, um, resources and links that are in the chat if you're looking after the fact and click on them, find out, ask questions. And then, you know, some providers, especially from a business standpoint, which I want to talk a little bit about what you do personally, as far as your business goes, you know, there are businesses from an entrepreneurial standpoint that are not just dollar based, but difference based and want to make both a dollar and a difference and just don't know. And if posed, uh, presented with an opportunity to become certified and things right. of that nature, they'll step forth just like some might be like, no, nah, we don't know about that. So in, in that thing. regard, tell, yeah. tell us a little bit about what you do, what the experience is like. If we decide, my wife and I said, you know what, we're tired of sitting around and being fearful about what might take place. Let's book a trip someplace. Where does one start with you? Yes. So with me, um, first we would book a call. Um, I would ask some intimate questions. Um, So if we can be open with one another and be direct, um, that will actually help me be able to curate something that works for you and your family. Then we would go over, okay, where would you like to start? Have you started anywhere? In the, um, because that would kind of curate where we should start first before we talk about spending more and more dollars. Because mm-hmm. travel, you know, it's, it's the economy has changed. So prices have gone up. So you definitely want to make mm-hmm. sure that it's going to be uh, not only frugal enough, but accommodating enough for fitting your lifestyle and needs at that moment. So you may not be prepared to be on a plane. You may not be prepared to take a four hour car drive yet. You may just be at a point where you just want to, okay, let's start with the park. Let's start with the zoo. Let's start with Sesame Place, something to that nature to kind of get aware of what kind of noises, what kind of crowds, what kind of things to expect. As far as meals go, um, I would say that is a little bit challenging um, that we have, but we didn't know until we tried. And so right. my son, for the longest, he wouldn't eat nothing but grilled cheese sandwiches, literally, for two years. Right. right. And now he's eating. <laughs> and, and that's Me too sometimes, by the way. Me too <laughs> I understand. Look, I can go for a grilled meat. cheese sandwich right now after that. If I had meat in there, he would be like, I'm done. No. So it's a long time (laughs) to build up to that point. But what really got him to develop an appetite, if you will, is through travel, which was amazing because you'd be amazed at how much peer pressure 
actually exposes them to different things. And they was like, wait a minute, mm -hmm. all the other kids are eating. They're having a good time. They got more energy, yeah, yeah. you know, and they are very aware of, of their oh, surroundings. Yeah. Very, very oh, yes. aware. So yes. it is the parent that really has more worry than the child, believe it or not. It, it, it is. It For is. Sure. My, my, um, sure. my, my wife gets um, this uh, pizza. It's, it's, it's not frozen, but it's refrigerated, right? Um, a local supermarket here in Los Angeles. And it has a cornmeal crust and it's vegetable. And the primary vegetable is mushrooms. Now, I love it. And I have to remember to stop and share, you know, when we get, when we, whenever we get it, she had it the other day and she asked him if he wanted some. And if he doesn't come up with the idea, it's not a good one. So she asked him if he wanted some, he's like, no, 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 no. Elijah will not have any. No, no, I do not want any. No, no. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what took place. Cause I wasn't in the room, but he took a bite and he cleaned off the two slices, then wanted two more. And I'm like mushrooms, because you're thinking from a texture standpoint, he doesn't do like anything like slimy or, or or whatever have you. He loved it. And it's just like everything else where you just, we don't know. So we'll say that over and over. And I think we probably need to make sure that we, we say this in every episode, Brian, telling people just, you never know because it's life as well, which is, you never know if you don't try, just get in front of a different experience and, and, oh, yeah. and, and, and give it a shot. We, we never know. Yes. And, sure. you know, that's amazing that however he got to try it, that now he's literally wanting to eat it and want more and ask for more because that's exactly what you want them to do. You want them to develop that that social skill to where they're asking for things. And they're like, mm -hmm. you know, now to this day, my son's like, oh, mama, I want to try this. Or, oh, mom, can I taste it? Sometimes you'll just snatch it off my plate. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't think you would like it. <laughs> right. And, and, and we again, because of texture or whatever the case may be. But again, you will not know until they're exposed to it. And you don't want to like forcefully have them do it. You kind of want to invite yeah. them. And right. during this whole travel experience, that's what really uh, opened his eyes. And that's what got him to saying, I want to try this. I want to try that. And so there's video of him saying, I want to eat pasta. I want to eat spinach. I want I'm like, who's kidding? That, feeling, that <laughs> feeling that you, that you get when they're enjoying something new, there isn't enough money in the world and in history to put a price on the value of joy that you get when, because it's one thing when they're eating their favorite thing, because you always have a battle between what's best for them versus what they like. And if they're eating something that's junky, which you know that they, they love it, and you see the smile on their face, that gives you a certain feeling. But if you know that it's something that's good for them and they chose it as well, yes, that's yeah, that's something else. So we're, believe it or not, we're at Be, Before you get minutes. there, I just, I just wanted yeah. to, to make sure. So, so Diane, your site, destinedadventures.com, can people uh -huh. go there and schedule a consultation with you yes. if they're interested? Okay, yes. great. So there's a form to fill out to get an email or they can click on a thing to schedule a 15-minute free consultation. Yeah. Yes. Or they can just do contact me or contact us or I think that's what I titled it. And yeah, I literally, I will get in touch with them. Yes. And you um, also have a Facebook page? Yes. Right. I have so a Facebook you've got a, page. My Destined yes. Adventures, which is another one. Mm -hmm. And then last thing, you also have a TikTok Yes, TikTok is actually where most of my families are. Um, and so I get a little more personal on there. You get to see day to day activities. And then every now and then I'll highlight some things that is going on. So you would definitely get an in-depth look and, and see exactly how I go about my day with my son. Your story um, and journey. Great, great. Yes. And I was going to ask those things leading up to the question, because the other thing I want to know, I'm sure people will find that out when they go to the site. So the areas of travel that you focus in, focus on are um are what aside from air 
I do it practically all air, um, lodging, uh, air, lodging, sea, uh, sea, train, train, car. Fantastic. I do it all. So, and and I'll know exactly what travel partners are certified because there is a Mm -hmm. list and they're steady adding to it. So it it is. That was my next question. Great. That's fantastic. Great. Yes. Again, overseas is coming aboard. So that's a huge thing. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I told you this was going to go fast, right? We're at the point in the show where we ask the question that is as follows. You know, our ability to change the world is going to be based on in some way, great or small, our ability or willingness to change ourselves. So with that said, give us one example of a thought or a belief that you once felt very strongly, um, but now no longer believe to be true. My experience of how kids interact and how parents interact with their kids. I thought, and I had this huge thing that discipline was a lack thereof if their child was acting up, not putting mm-hmm. myself in their shoes, not knowing the full scenario, or not even mm-hmm. being informed or educated by the parent. Because yeah. it's, if you really want acceptance and awareness to really, really take fold, to in, have, be inclusive, it's going to take a village again to educate and inform, okay, my child is this, and this is what does this. Or whatever the case, because everyone that's on the spectrum is different in every aspect, no matter if they're on the same end or not. They're all still different. And so now my perspective is I'm not as judgmental um, towards those parents because now it's like, oh, I got to put myself in their shoes because I'm that mom. I, I, I became that mom that had a son that was diagnosed and he exhibits some similar behaviors. And sometimes I wonder, am I a good enough parent at times? And I had to get that out of my head too, because, mm-hmm. you know, we do, again, what we are informed or educated on. And so it's like, okay, maybe I got to do some more homework or maybe I need to come up with a different strategy that's actually more effective. And really time-saving because that's exactly what I do now is I provide effective time-saving strategies so that you can implement them prior to your travel. So it's like a full-blown, full service from pre and then during and also follow-up. So that's kind of what I do. Excellent. Do you, do you charge for your services as a consultant or do you get yes. paid by the... Okay. So good, in, good. The, in the pre-phases, I do a consultant phase. So I do have packages I'm actually putting together as we speak so that I can um, have videos. So it's going to be like a hybrid program. Then I'm cultivating yeah. a workshop. It's going to be both English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so um, that workshop is um, actually being created as we speak. And then um, I, I have a different package for once you actually feel ready up to traveling, then that's totally separate. It's a it's a service worth an unlimited amount of money. Honestly, I think parents who travel with children, even neurotypical children, would find relief in having some guidance and some support. But uh, traveling with children who have you know who, who have issues and need certain accommodations, I think uh, there's almost no no amount of money that's a uh, you know it's 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 worth it. I just I just think it's worth it. So as we as we wrap up, Diane's been fascinating. It's a subject that I you know I had no idea was you know there was so much available as far as resources were concerned. So I'm I'm just I'm so thrilled that we had a chance to do this with you. And as I said to you before, like this hour goes by too fast. It's a, it's amazing how quickly um, time seems to fly. Uh, and so as we wrap up the show, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, for being here. 
and, uh, and, and Sean Francis, as always, and Sean Hall, uh, in, uh, who's back in Hawaii, uh, feverishly putting into the chat the links to all of these sites that we put in, um, YouTube channels and, uh, and your TikTok address and all this stuff. So thank you, Sean, for doing that. And, uh, and, and this is perfect. We, I usually end the show talking about empathy and love. Um, and the, here now I have a, I have a new thing. I'm, I'm going to make sure that people know that when I'm throwing a tantrum, I can say, no, it's just a meltdown. Okay. There's a difference. I'm having a meltdown. I'm not having a tantrum. Um, but, uh, the idea that, uh, you know, when we see situ certain situations, as you say, you know, we often become judgmental. So having some empathy and having some understanding, some, some sense, you know, that you may not know what that person is going through, what that parent is going through, what the child is going through. So have some empathy. And if you can look at the world through the lenses of love, the world will be a better place. So we all, you know, empathy and love more now than almost any other time. Um, again, I thank you for for doing this, and and for all those folks who have commented and made comments and uh, throughout the the show. Thank you so much for your participation and for, um, and and hopefully you'll share this information with folks because I think this is really valuable. It's a really valuable resource. I can't believe it's only one in Nevada. She's right here. Our, our, our guest is the only certified um, travel, you know, basically for children with, with autism for families dealing with special needs issues. So, Diane, again, grateful to have you had, had the time with us today on the show. And so I'll throw it back to you, uh, Sean, to close us out, my friend. Well, uh, Diane, again, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to us working together in the future. Um, and I, it's gotten a focus on, you know, I think we'll, we'll have a couple um, episodes where we're, we're talking about the importance of, uh, you know, of self self care. I saw something the other day that um, Shri Geshler, one of our previous guests posted something that said, you know, when our children's um, sensory needs are not met, you know, that's often referred to as being non-compliant when those needs aren't met, they can't get anything else that they need, you know? And when you think about that, there's some sensory needs that we have as caretakers as well. So self-care is immeasurable in value. And this is just one piece of it. And self-care doesn't just mean you're going to get a back rub and put your feet up and get away from everybody. Sometimes self-care actually means that you're able to, with your family, travel, go out to eat, do something that you would otherwise um, take for granted and deny yourself of. So I just want to make sure that I thank everybody for tuning in. And as always, you know, I want to make sure I thank the, the women in my life without whom I would not be. That's my mom, Jan, whose phone is ringing, and my amazing <laughs> wife, Laura. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on here as well. I want to make sure I get that in here. Um, it's been an honor, and I'm truly, truly grateful to be able to create this awareness and space so that families can feel like they are not alone. They are not alone. Absolutely. This is going to open up the world for so many families, Diane. I mean, really, I think, you know, if that's ever been a consideration for folks, you know, how do I travel with my child? Um, this is this. I'm hoping that they'll utilize you as a resource and will seek out others that you've mentioned here on this show today. So, yeah, thank you again uh, for being here. So, uh, with that, everybody, thank you. If you're watching us uh, again, as Sean always says, not that I don't say it too, but as Sean always says when he wraps up the show, <laughs> if you're watching the show, we love you. We love you. you again.